0: Alright, so this is the inaugural episode of the Seth Hizzy Sports Broadcast. And today we have my good longtime friend, Roger Moyer from Springfield College, joining me in today to focus on a lot of baseball and a little bit of football. Uh, Roger, like me, is a Red Sox fan. However, unlike me, he's a Giants fan. So after we talk about baseball, we talk about the AL East, Alex Cora. Uh, a couple other issues in the MLB. We're going to switch it over, talk about OBJ, Bell, Gronk, and the debate that we always have. And that's Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Are they the greatest of all time? I think so. He always disagrees with me. We'll see what happens. So, <laughs> we'll find out. So the first topic I want to touch upon is the AL East preview. And I want to see if Roger
1: has the same opinion with me. How do you see the AL East playing out this year? I would, I'm g- I'm going to go with the Yankees on this one, and I'm going to tell you why. Look, they play in a stadium that's conducive to home run hitters, i.e. Giancarlo Stanton and obviously Judge Sanchez, Didi Gregorius can put the ball out. They're just a power-hitting team. They do strike out a lot. But the but, strikeouts,
0: I mean, man, the strikeouts. They're they're gonna,
1: sh- no, they're going to have guys that strike out 200 times a season, Seth, but... In the same breath, they're gonna they're gonna put a lot of balls out of the yard, and I don't know I don't know a lot of teams that are gonna be able to keep them from scoring. So and I, where does, the where key is the... the key for the Yankees is gonna be their pitching and and in particular their bullpen because we know how dominant their bullpen can be on paper, but in a lot of instances, Batanzas can struggle a lot. Chapman same 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 way so. It's going okay. to really come down to their starting pitching and their relief pitching at the end of the day because that's where that's where they struggled if anywhere last year. I mean, they hit the they hit the piss out of the ball throughout the year in 2017, but last year they did have issues with pitching. They really don't have a true ace. I know Severino is the guy, but
0: Jordan I don't Montgomery know How
1: much you can trust him? Can't
0: forget about Jordan Montgomery.
1: Oh yeah, Jordan Montgomery. He, he'll be their number 5, I'm sure, <laughs> buff. but
0: He's, Jordan Montgomery yeah. is a
1: bum. He is an absolute bum. So where does the rest
0: of the AOEs fall? Like, Do you have the Red Sox making the playoffs? Do they sneak in as a wild card? How does
1: uh, that... The Sox are making the playoffs, and uh, I'll tell you why. I mean, look, they pretty much retain their entire, pretty much their entire team from 2017. I know they lost Addison Reed. Not a big deal. They bring it back to Carson Bob. Smith. They did <laughs> they <just, laughs> a bad. Is how I'd like to put a that. bad
0: trade. That's what I was saying. <laughs> that was a a bad trade. Um,
1: oh my God, here we go again. But back to the point. Uh, coming back with Carson Smith and Thornburg, those are two late relievers, both setup men in their own right, which will certainly help get them to Kimbrel. I mean, look, they're still a playoff team in my eyes. I know they didn't hit particularly well last season, but over, I, a- I certainly.
0: Actually, first, I'm going to disagree with you. I think the Red Sox top out the Yankees, in my opinion. You think um, so? I think so. I think the Yankees are going to strike out too much. Stanton isn't ready for American League pitchers. Uh, I know that's something that isn't as big as it used to be, but I still think it's an issue. I still think it's something that uh, is going to cause him issues this year and not only in the future. Um, it, the, and the strikeouts are going to be huge. Greg Bird's out already. Uh, I think they'll have a couple other key injuries, like every team does. And they just don't really have a lot of depth outside of that starting lineup. And secondly, I just think the Red Sox are a more well-rounded team. They're not star-studded, but they're well-rounded. You look at, you look at any position on the Red Sox, first base, you got three guys you can put there that are solid. You got Hanley, you got Moreland, and you have Martinez. You look at second base, you have Holt. You have Pedroia when he comes back, and you have Nunez. You you look at shortstop. You have Bogart, You have Nunez. You have Holt. You have third base. You have Devers. You have Holt. You have Nunez. You have. I feel like there's another.
1: You could put Hanley over there if you really need to. Not that we want to. I mean, Seth. I look at I look at the Red Sox, and I don't see any gaping holes aside from. The big question is, I think, for F over at first base because I really do. I don't like Mitch Moreland.
0: And, if anyone and... hasn't
1: noticed, I don't. I don't like his bat in the lineup. It's really it just kind of it lulls me to sleep. He hits 250, puts a couple. He puts a decent amount of balls out of the yard, and it doesn't really do much over there at first. I mean, he's a borderline Gold Glove last few years, so he's got a decent glove over there. But between him and Hanley, platooning over there, in terms of that, I just don't. I, it's not. That's not really much better than Greg Bird. And I think I look across the, or up and down the lineup with both of those teams, and I think the Yankees are some more star-studded. And I think and, that's what's going to matter. I mean, they're going to strike out a lot, but I just don't see them. I don't see them missing the ball so I much think, so that they can't score because they're going to score.
0: I think the key to the Red Sox this year, and no one agrees with me on this, is they have the best defensive catcher in all of baseball. And, and I think that's huge. I, I honestly do. Being a former catcher, I put a lot of value on the amount of runs saved a catcher like Vasquez can provide, I think that's really key. And uh, we touched on the bullpen earlier, and that's like with Fernando Abad, bon. I want to go back to that. And Dave Dombrowski and his history of bad bullpens, we already saw it game one. We saw it game one against the Rays. Does that continue?
1: Ah... Uh, who uh, <laughs> who, know, who knows? I mean, I'm not panicking about that just yet because, obviously, it's it was opening day. It's been, it's been the first weekend of baseball, and you can't panic at these sorts of things. I mean, they went down to Tampa. They took three or four, so I don't know. I mean, you can't complain too much. It's hard to win at the Trop, as we all know. So I'm not ready to press the panic button on the pen yet by any means, but I, I, I do share your sentiments with be fact that the bullpen has had its struggles and a lot of it to do with Dave Dombrowski. Certainly an argument that we can (laughs) save for another day because that is is something that can really be picked apart. I mean, I just don't
0: truly know how much I trust Dave Dombrowski. His track record isn't great and I just I'm I'm unsure. Uh, Obviously I'm going to let him do his job. I'm going to let him play it out. But I do always worry about that. That brings me into the next topic I want to touch about. Alex Cora, I loved him as a player. I don't know if I love him as a manager.
1: I feel
0: feel like he's too much of a player.
1: I love him as a manager because I don't think... I think something people miss is the fact that he wasn't a great player. And I think a lot of fans out there and other critics would point to great managers who were great players in their time but what about those players that weren't they, they were utility players in their time or they were just decent they were just starters for a few years but they were never you know all-stars hall of famers and end up being great managers you see I mean you see that a lot I can think of probably more examples of that aside from other players who... I personally worry about the dynamic between him and Pedroia
0: I know that's probably overrated but I do worry about that dynamic.
1: Look, Pajua is pretty soft-spoken, and I don't think it's an issue where Pajua is going to undermine Alex Cora in any sense of the word, but that's uh, something to keep an eye on. I, I, don't, I don't see why that should be an issue, though.
0: All right. Here is the what I consider one of the big topics of this year, and it is, oh, Captain, my Captain, why are you sinking our ship? Derek Jeter and the Miami Marlins had 10,428 people at the ballpark this afternoon, which is the smallest crowd in Marlins Park history. Um, According to thescore.com, the rebuilding franchise posted decent numbers opening day with 32,000 watching. Um, However, they had 12,000 game two, 13,000 game three. And this last game of the four-game set against Chicago was 10,428. Wow. <laughs> what is he doing down there? He's sinking the ship.
1: I Look, I honestly think that the only way the only way to get anywhere in the MLB is to sink the ship and just start from scratch, hit the reset button, especially with a team like the Marlins. Look, they weren't going to be able to pay Giancarlo Stan what he was going to demand so i think moving him what he was was, going to demand
0: what he was going to demand he's under contract till he's 39.
1: well i understand that but that was (laughs) that's after the yankees no i believe gave him an extension was it not no no he
0: was he was under contract for 13 years marlin signed him in 2015 to a 13-year deal (laughs) to pay him really the minimum he he will get paid from 2018 on is 25 million which he gets paid this year and in 2027 and 2028 all the years in the middle are between 26 and 32 million dollars a year
1: that's a lot of, that's a lot of money
0: the total contract the Marlins offered him was 13 years 325 million dollars I mean, looking at this contract, to me, it's clear they were going to get rid of him. Because the first three years of the deal, the three years he played for Miami, they gave him $6.5, $9, and $14.5 million. <laughs> now he's getting paid 25 But I just I think that's a rebuild that's going to take way too long. It's
1: going to be a horrible rebuild. And I'm kind of worried well, we, about it. We don't know what that rebuild's going to look like because it's going to be – it might be a decade in the making. I mean, you look at the, what the White Sox are doing now and what they've been – what they did the last two, three seasons now. They've totally hit the reset button. They've – these prospects that they traded for are just starting to work their way through. I mean, you see Moncada is now their second baseman. He's pretty, pretty much the first of what's going to be many young players working through their system. And look, these things take a long time. And I mean, the, 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 the situation that the Marlins were in—they had, they had, they had some some talent. They had five, six players that were pretty talented, borderline all stars. And Yelich and Ozuna, obviously Stanton. I mean, right. in the situation that they were in, I don't think they had enough firepower to make a legitimate run. And once you trade Stanton, I mean, I, that was pretty much the domino the first domino of it to fall and the rest is going to follow suit because then other players are going to ask to be traded away which the Marlins ended up doing and at that point why keep any of these players when their their careers are going to be going to waste in a place that's not going to have any sort of winning for a while at least so I don't have a problem I don't think there's any in- I don't think you can have an issue with the trades that followed Stanton Stanton's trade to the Yankees but I, it, we can. It can be argued that the Stanton trade may or may not have happened; should have happened. But I think if you look at any team that doesn't have that high payroll, like the Marlins, I think I think you have to hit the reset button at some point because you can't just sit there treading water at 75 wins a year, hoping to break through because it just doesn't happen in Major League Baseball. It, just, it takes a while to build a legit team. You, I mean, the Phillies were that way. The Rays were that way. These just Small these small market teams they're, they're gonna struggle so this is kind of the only way they can combat that.
0: All right, uh, the last question I want to ask before we switch over to football, and it's I I have a very specific answer on this personally, but I want to see your opinion first. Over under, Red Sox ninety four wins. They won ninety four last year. They predicted win ninety four this year. Over under.
1: I'll take the over. I to I I have them chalked up at about 96 wins personally. I don't think that's enough to win the East. I think the Yankees about 98 wins, but I the Red Sox are de- look the Red Sox are definitely a playoff team and I certainly think they're going to be one of the premier AL teams. Obviously, I think they're still going to sting the ball and they're going to they're still they got some of the best pitching in baseball, especially on the back end with Kimbrel. So, look, they're a playoff team in my opinion, but I just don't see them beating the Yankees. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a race.
0: All right, now we're gonna switch over to the great sport of football, where we saw plenty of jokes this afternoon. I don't think you saw these, which is why I'm bringing them up in the spur of things. If you followed Instagram this evening, uh, and you looked at Von Miller and Emmanuel Sanders' Instagram, uh, Von Miller posted 11 hours ago a picture of him with breaking news. Broncos agree to trade All-Pro Von Miller to the Browns with the caption, It's been real, Denver. The Mile High City and the Broncos will always have my heart. Super Bowl 50 champs. They can never take that away from us. At Cleveland Browns and at Juice Landry, what's good? And then Emmanuel (laughs) Sanders around the same time tweeted a picture of him catching, catching a pass with the caption, Thank you, Bronco Nation, for giving me so much love and support. I've decided to take my talents to Washington to join Josh Norman in a quest to win Super Bowl 53. Washington, we lit. I'm on the way. And he's in a Washington Redskins uniform while catching. And then the Jaguars wanted to join in on this too. Posted a fake jersey, which looks absolutely horrendous. I just, I feel bad that people are picking on the Cleveland Browns. I think that's that's not fair, you know. You know, yeah. You know how much they would love to have Von Miller.
1: I wouldn't sleep on the Cleveland Browns. They've they've had a lot of star power in the past few months. I I wouldn't be shocked if they end up being a playoff team, and within the next three seasons.
0: But so what we'll get into now are the main stories of the nfl we're going to talk about individual players whether or not you think they're going to stay on their team get traded leave in free agency or re-sign in free agency or in some cases retire or even sit out the year first one we'll start with is on your favorite team the new york football giants odell beckham jr
1: what does he do this year well look let's let's get rid of the the crazy notion that's been swirling around the nfl at the idea that the Giants would trade him. I, it's just ludicrous. Gettleman, the Giants GM, has been on the mic several times stating that, look, we're not moving Odell Beckham Jr. There are being, there are offers being made by other teams across the league, but there's, he's not entertaining them, and I, I totally understand why. I don't see where this idea of moving Odell Beckham Jr. came from, but on a team that... In a big market like New York, he's the face of the franchise. They're looking to lock him up in a long-term deal. Uh, there's leaving. no, way, there's he's no way he's being
0: moved. He's leaving. There's, he's there's leaving. no way
1: he's being moved. It's absurd. Come
0: on, he's, he's leaving at the end of the year. He wants a Super Bowl. You're not going to get that in New York. I, I don't... I, see, if I'm trying to what, win a Super Bowl in New York, I'd rather go play well, the Jets.
1: If, well, I, my, I think there's two issues with that. One, you don't really know what direction this team's going in. So I think we have to wait until the end of the 2018 season before we really take a hard look and be like, "All right, is Odell Beckham Jr. going to stay in New York or not?" All
0: right. But my
1: second, but my second point would be, I don't know if he really cares if he wins a Super Bowl or not. I don't he know what is his intent is. His I think he, he is I all about he,
0: the money. He's
1: all I understand about that. But I think the man, I think the man wants to get paid the me- amount he should and. I don't blame him. The Giants got to pay the guy. They right. should pay... Not, Nike Nike should not be paying him more than the Giants do. That's absurd. He's on his rookie deal. Come I on. I understand that. I understand that. But they should have... They, he should have been signed to an extension this time last year. And That's the amazing. fact that this has dragged on for a whole year now is beyond me. Le'Veon Bell, does he sit out the year? I think he does. I, I think he will. And look, I think he knows what he's worth and he's very talented, obviously, so I, I could definitely see that. That would not surprise me at all.
0: One that touches my heart, one that's been bothering me all summer, or all fall, rather, all winter, Robert Gronkowski. I think he is going to end up getting traded, or he's going to retire. Uh, so far, he's been a distraction this off season. Uh We all know how Bill Pelichak handles distractions. Uh, and that's to get rid of him, and that bothers me. And it pains me because he's he's going to be the greatest tight end of all time. But I personally
1: think he's going to get traded by the end of the year. What are what are your thoughts on that one? Look, I I I think I think he stays in New England, and I want to tell you why. I just don't see him ending up anywhere else. I know New England has a tendency to trade some of their star players away. Maybe impulsively, maybe not, but I don't. I don't see him ending up anywhere but in a Patriots uniform. How long I think that will be? I'd probably only give him another two years. I think he look. He's had a lot of injuries, and they're really starting to add up. He he's on the sideline more, but he's on the field. So for me, I I, I would give it two years, maybe less, maybe a year. But I think he goes out as a Patriot, if anything. But I, I, I I'll see. I, he'll be on the field this year.
0: All right. Um... And then one of our last main topics before I try, I'm trying to find some like funnier topics and to on. But last main topic: Belichick,
1: Brady, greatest of all time? Yes or no? That's a trick question because I I agree with half of that statement. Okay. What what you for me? Be- Bill Belichick is the greatest football coach of all time, one of the greatest. He's, he's the greatest football mind of all time. I think you have to go back to his days as a head coach of the Browns, as an assistant with the Giants for many years. He he has more Super Bowl rings than just the five that he brought to New England. He has a pair that he brought to the Giants in the 80s as defensive coordinator under Bill Parcells with the great Lawrence Taylor. So, And as no, hands down, he is the greatest football mind that there has ever been and probably will ever be at least for a while in our lifetime. But for me, the jury's still going to be out on Tom Brady for me. I'm not going to say no, that he's not the greatest, but I'm going to wait until he is retired from the NFL before I make that statement because there's a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, if you look at raw talent, I I would argue that quarterbacks like Dan Marino were better, and there's certainly other quarterbacks I could pinpoint to such as Joe Montana, maybe Steve Young, Favre. There's still, it's still. Look, he's probably the most decorated quarterback of all of them. You could certainly make a state case for that. Correct. But in terms of pure statistics, I, I, it's still. I'm the jury's still out for me. I
0: mean, I mean, I personally think they both are the greatest in their respective roles. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little bit biased because I am a Patriots fan, but I do believe the amount of success we've had over um, my lifetime, and specifically, has been absolutely astonishing and something you don't really see in sports anymore. You think of legacies where you have a team going deep into the playoffs every year. You think of UConn women's basketball. You think of UCLA men's basketball. You think of the Yankees in the 30s. And that, who else do you really think of? The Celtics. The Celtics uh, with Bill Russell. You know? And if you think about all those teams and programs that I named, those are the greatest in their respective sports. I mean, there's nothing that compares to what the Patriots have done under these two guys.
1: Um, Well, I, I I could draw a similar similar connections to the Steelers of the 70s with behind the Iron Curtain, or Steel Curtain, rather. It's
0: dominant. They weren't AFC Championship. I believe it's nine straight years at
1: this point. I would... Again, I don't know if that's so much Brady as it is Bill Belichick. Because I don't... I I mean, I don't want to point to Matt Castle, but again, this team... The Patriots, yep. everyone everyone as long as Bill Belichick is the head football coach of the New England Patriots, they're always going to be relevant. Always. I don't, I don't know if they're that way without him, even if they have Tom Brady. But we'll never find that out, because I honestly believe that when one of them retires, I think the other one will follow suit within the year. See, I,
0: I don't want to say it, but I feel like Brady will outlast Belichick.
1: Well let me ask you this. How long what, what's your timetable on Brady? How many years does he have left? Three. No more Three. and over. How, how old is he now?
0: Oh god. I believe he is forty one. Well let me double check that real quick. Got my computer right here. Sorry, it hasn't been his birthday yet. His birthday is in August. He's forty.
1: He's forty. He's forty. He, I mean, he's already he's already playing on house money, in my opinion. I am to give I going to give him three. I'll agree with you, but I don't know what you're getting in those three seasons. I mean, he was just the MVP. No, I agree really with you. What, I, what I'm saying to you is, he's he's, already, he's he, when you're over the hill and you're over 40 like that, you're he. It only takes one hit, and that offensive line is not getting any better. It's actually getting progressively worse.
0: The problem is, I, you say, you say that. He's in better shape than when he was a rookie. This man is defying his age.
1: I I would agree with you, but uh, at the same time, I mean, it's just so unprecedented that you just wonder when when is this gonna end? When is this gonna end? And I think it's gotta it's gonna gotta come sooner rather than later, though. At some point, you don't you don't out beyond time wins every time. You won't out you won't be timeout.
0: Alright. Uh I'm just trying to I'm trying to find a couple of light hearted things to end on here. Um the first being something that, you know, some news headlines were big on talking about it, and others weren't. I think it deserves a lot more credit than it was. A uh, thirty six year old Chicago Blackhawks emergency goaltender was forced into a game on th- on on Thursday. I don't know if you heard about this, Roger. Uh because you're not a huge hockey guy, correct?
1: Correct. I don't. I'm not. I don't follow hockey enough to really. Okay. Keep tabs on these sort of so, things.
0: So this year in the NHL, they implemented a new rule, where the, the home team has to have an emergency goalie on hand for either team to use if both of your goalies, um, are hurt. Yeah. You, usually these guys are just fans that play in rec leagues. And they're just there in case shit hits the fan, which never really does, you know? What are the the odds of having two goalies hurt in the same
1: day, right? Lightning striking in a bottle. Well, Thursday, Chicago Blackhawks starter Forsberg, Anton Forsberg,
0: suffered an injury in the pregame warm-ups. Okay? So, 36... 36? Let me double check that. Yep, 36-year-old Scott Foster ha- had to come in as a backup. He warms up. He warms up with the team. And Delia, the, back, the actual backup, is in the game, right? Blackhawks are up 62, going into the third and final period. With 14 minutes left in the third period, Delia gets hurt. So... A guy that plays in a men's adult rec league is now skating in a game in which his team has the lead in an NHL game <laughs> he came in he's up six to two he has to play fourteen minutes in goal how how what do you think the
1: final score of that game was oh i, I would I would anticipate that to end up being a 65-66 six, 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 going to overtime 62. Really. He
0: saved all seven shots. Wow. Including a couple of amazing there was an amazing snipe shot from Patrick Lane. The fans chanted his name and they named him the first star of the game. This guy, right? He tended goal for Western Michigan University for 21 games in 0203. In one game in 05-06, and that's it for his, like, collegiate hockey career. And this guy, this guy has an NHL
1: win. From rags to riches, one man's trash. (laughs) That's impressive. He was talking about it.
0: Usually what these guys do is they just give them tickets, they give them gear, and they're like, hey, just just make sure you're at all the games. Well, he actually got to play. I wonder how many times that happened. I'm pretty sure that is the only time that's happened since this rule became a thing. Um, but other than that, I, is there any other big sports news that you overly want to discuss in this episode of the podcast? I'm trying to think if there's
1: anything else that... You know, that's I, I have. I have one. It's more generic. But uh, what are you what are you interested in in this next this coming week of sports? What's your what's your biggest what's what's on your plate here, Seth? What are you looking forward to this week?
0: All right, Uh, the main things I'm looking forward to is how if the Celtics continue to play as well as they have been without Kyrie Irving, uh, guys like Marcus Morris, guys like Terry Rogier have been stepping up in the absence of the main star, Kyrie Irving. And going into the playoffs, it'll be extremely important that these guys continue to step up and not have this be a one- or two-game thing, and that's something I'm personally really concerned with. I'm really concerned with Terry Rogier, Scary Terry. I love him to death, but I'm really concerned about him dropping off going into the playoffs. I want to get Kyrie back for the second round. I want to see if maybe Gordon Hayward can step on the court in the second or third round, but we have to get there first, and that's the real issue. Um... Other than that, I want to watch the Bruins. I love the Bruins. Uh, they've been playing extremely well this year. I love all the rookies. Uh, I love DeBrusque. I love, uh, he's not a rookie, but I love Chara. Uh, I love Pasternak. This team's been meshing. It's been working really well. And as these, these injuries start to heal towards the end of the year, I want to see how well these guys intermingle again back in off the injury report and go into the playoffs strong. I honestly think you could have both the Bruins and the Celtics in their respective conference championships. Uh, other than that, I, w- I know it's towards the end of next week, towards the end of this next coming week, starting into the week after, if I remember correctly, I want to see how the Red Sox handled their series against New York. Uh, because what ha- what is happening with the Red Sox schedule is you started with four against Tampa, you have two against Miami, and then you have another three against Tampa, which are, let me count, 4, 2, and 3. That is 9 games against some of the worst teams in the MLB this year. And then you play one of the best. And I want to see how that that works out. Uh, That kind of worries me a little bit. Uh, Something I just read. The Giants are reportedly asking for at least two first-round picks for Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Geno Smith. Uh, two hours ago agreed to a one year deal with the Chargers
1: (laughs) good riddance
0: Um, oh yeah he was on your team wasn't he he was with the New York football giants Um, just looking at a couple other headlines uh, Rob Gronkowski is pretty certain he will return to the Patriots despite friction with Bill Belichick uh, that was posted on ESPN just over an hour ago uh, let me see if I can find any real quote from him so far it's just an article uh, with the only thing in quotes being that uh, pretty certain so at this point it's all speculation uh, apparently a couple days ago the the Atlanta Falcons are having issues getting a contract extension for Matt Ryan uh, they want to he wants a hundred million dollars, with an eighty-five guaranteed, um, which is also uh, spawning from the Kirk Cousins three-year eighty-four million dollar fully guaranteed contract with the Minnesota Vikings, which I personally totally disagree with. I am against fully guaranteed contracts. One of the things I love about football is the fact that most of the contracts are unguaranteed. That's. That is something I really, really, really love. Um, and that'll be something that'll be interesting to watch in these next couple weeks.
1: Okay, I have I think I, I all three. I have three three topics that may arise as we move forward in this week. Obviously the NCAA men's basketball final is tomorrow night. It's going to be Third seeded. Uh, that was Michigan tonight. Wolverines. Oh, you're uh, talking about, about my bad, my bad, my bad. Uh, the women's words today, tonight. Uh, the men's tomorrow. So between Michigan and Villanova. Look, uh, Michigan hasn't really had too much in the way of tough games so far. I mean, they haven't really been battle tested. They've had a they had a close one with Houston, but they have yet to beat a seed higher than a six. On 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 route to. The NCAA championship game, Villanova might be hands down the best team in all of college basketball. I'm in, I'm I'm interested to see how this one goes out. Obviously, I was rooting for uh, Loyola of Chicago, but that miracle ended the other night. So I'm interested to see how that goes. Another point of emphasis for me, uh, I'd like to see just take how the draft shakes up. I mean, we've been talking about. There's been mock drafts coming out, possible trade ups, trade downs, and I'm I'm interested to see if anything new happens with that. I know the Bills might look to trade up, and I know the Giants are looking for a king's ransom if they're going to move that second overall pick. So I'm interested to see if anything new happens there. And then I think third and probably like m- most important is just see if we if the. Uh, Marlins can get a fan base in there. I know they're having a rough time, but hopefully the fan base does not totally crash on them. That and all a little quick tidbit. I'm interested to see if the Boston Celtics can sneak up any further on the Raptors. They're two games out of the number 1 seed in the Eastern Conference. There's six games for each of them to go. I mean, it's it's a long shot, but definitely I think they'd rather see themselves in the one as the one seed than be the two seed and have to play the Cavaliers and the Eastern conference semifinals because I know the Cavaliers haven't had the best of seasons, but it, LeBron James as we've alluded to with Brady LeBron James has brought and he's brought about I believe eight straight teams to the NBA Finals whether it was the Cavaliers or the heat so he he's constantly bringing his team deep into the playoffs and I, I don't care you could put him around anyone and he his team still has a pretty good chance of winning games, so I'm interested to see uh, how the Eastern Conference standing shake up and who the Celtics draw going in.
0: All right. Uh, I want to end my first episode of this podcast on two Red Sox feel-good stories. Uh, Two things that people might not really know that much about. Uh, My first being Bobby Pointer, 25-year-old, made his MLB debut on Saturday. Uh, great for him. He had a great debut. And the thing I love most about his feel-good story is going into this year, uh, right before the end of spring training, he called his parents, said, "Hey, I think I'm going to make the team." His parents said, "Come on, Bobby, not a chance. You're going to you're you're going back to the minors. It'll be fine. You'll be all right. We'll come watch." And he's like, "No." I'm going to make this team, and I want you to get tickets to Tampa to watch me pitch. So, lo and behold, he makes the team, goes to Tampa. His parents book the tickets before they find out he's made the team. They book the tickets. They go to all the games this weekend. Lo and behold, Saturday, he makes his MLB debut.
1: That's awesome.
0: The second one was today, one that I love because I love Daniel Nava. Daniel Navas is one of my best feel-good stories of all time, Marcus Walden. He pitched today. He came in in the sixth inning. He is 29 years old, made his MLB debut for the Red Sox. He's been in the minor leagues 11 years. Wow. (laughs) He came in, got the couple of outs he needed. Uh, His second pitch was stroked for a double. Uh, with the tying run on third base, this is from ESPN, uh, obviously gotta sign my sources, uh, Walden threw a first pitch strike to Ramos, and got an easy fly ball to Mookie. He went out for the seventh, and just only took him ten pitches to get out Malik Smith, a Danny Hetevarria, and a Nard Span. Not only that, Hedgivarilla hit a comebacker right to Walden, who caught it right in his glove. Uh... He, like uh, Daniel Nava, who I prefaced earlier, they both played in the Atlantic League. Uh, Walden then bounced from Toronto to Oakland to Cincinnati and thought no one was going to want him. He had Tommy John in 2010. He got called up by Toronto and got sent back down without even playing in a game. And the, in 2014, uh, he was quoted saying that how he was loving playing. His wife was pregnant, and he called. He was upset. He had just gotten sent back down to AAA. He thought no teams wanted him. Called his wife, said he would come back to school, come back home, go to school, and look for another job after that. And she she instantly said, "Not a chance." Now this guy is playing. He. He played AAA. He played winter ball in Venezuela. He has his daughter now uh, signed with the Twins. Then the Red Sox invited him to camp this year. And on the second to last day of spring training, Corps told him he
1: made the team. I think that's beautiful. That's powerful. That's right. some really powerful stuff. That's exciting. I'm. Look, you always love these feel-good stories. I really hope that these guys find that success. You always, you always hear about the guys who chase that dream and they accomplish everything they wanted to, and then some. But it's it's good to hear about the guys who have dealt with a lot of adversity and it, it finally pays off for them. So I'm, it's, it's really good to hear.
0: I totally agree. And with our two feel good stories of the day, uh, that'll conclude the first annual, the first ever, the inaugural episode of the Seth Hizzy Sports uh, Podcast. It was a great time having you, Roger. Hope to have you back soon. We have a long baseball schedule. We have 162 games between 32 teams, which we can divulge, dissect, and break apart throughout the course of the year. It was great having you.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you.